It's the Brew Ha Ha Podcast with Steve Jackson and Mark Carpenter. It's time for the Drive Hop Monk Brew Ha Ha. We were going to feature uh, San Francisco's Fort Point Brewing, an independent San Francisco beer company made of, of people who believe the simple things in life can be a whole lot better. Well, you got to love that. I'm reading that off their website. Her Linda's at a, uh, a wedding in San Benicia. No, in Benicia. Benicia. Sorry. <laughs> so it's me and Mark Carpenter. How we doing, buddy? All right, good. Always a pleasure to see you, my friend. A pleasure to see you, too. I uh, Fortunately, I bought or brought a uh, reserve beer in my uh, toolbox uh, when our man didn't show up. I can't go on the air without a beer on my hand. And, uh, so he brought in a warm beer from his toolbox, uh, and this is really good. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, what sh- is this? Shadow of a Doubt Imperial Porter from Russian River Brewing. And it is warm, but it tastes great. I think that's a taste of a good beer. If it tastes good warm, it, it, I agree. it's a good beer. Yeah, it's well, quite the Br- good. And the British have been drinking warm beer for years, right? Yes, exactly. So, I Except mean, that's I a little bit of a misnomer. They say it's warm beer because it's room temperature, but the problem is... They refrigerate the whole country. That's right. We've talked about <laughs> yeah. this many times. Yeah, but it is. It's more the room temperature beer. Yeah. And and uh, so in in warm in warm countries they drink cold beer. In cold countries they, they drink, drink warm, warm beer. beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is really good, and it is from Russian River. Russian River. Yeah, it's a, re- a really nice one that uh, that Vinny does, uh, named after the. Movie Shadow of Doubt, the uh, filmed in here in Santa Rosa. In Santa Rosa, yeah, exactly. So fortunate I had that as an emergency beer. Uh, it's <laughs> in his toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the other thing they say about warm beer, it's better than no beer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's too bad that our guys from uh, Fort Point couldn't make it. It's an interesting brewery, I think. That we'll they, get them back. We'll get oh them yeah, back. yeah. They do. Uh, uh, one style that the main reason I wanted them on, they do one style that I like quite a bit of Kolsch, and a Kolsch is a uh, it's a German. Thing. It's a German beer, but it's it what it is. It's all over Germany. Every town had their own beer and pretty much their own beer style. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, lager beer was invented, uh-huh. and so all the German breweries made lager beer. Well, Kolsch is one of those. Um, Unique styles that uh, was developed in the Cologne region and is still uh, brewed today. And I think it's kind of unique and it's really good. And I think that Fort Point does a, a good Kolsch. They don't do a strictly German Kolsch. Uh, it's uh, very similar, but some of more American hops, I believe. They put their own spin on it. They're, exactly. Yeah. They put their own spin on it. And it's been it. I enjoy it. It's real good. I was... Looking forward to talking to him about that. So it's too bad they're not here. We'll get him back. Yes. Uh, this that we're tasting from Russian River, uh, explain it. Well, it's an imperial uh, imperial porter, uh, which means that it's uh, it's going to be a, a black beer. So you'd call it a dark beer. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, and uh, uh, and it's uh, the two that are most famous are porter and stout. And my definition of the difference is that porters tend to be a little bit sweeter than stouts. Stout will tend to have a tart finish, 
uh, very thin. This has a nice body, a, just a slightly sweet finish. It's a little too sweet for me. Yeah. But there you go. There's so much going on in this that it tastes so great that it, I don't care. Exactly. And that's what I think makes it an importer. And what makes it an imperial porter is the alcohol. This alcohol is it's 10% alcohol by volume. So it's uh, start to be at the higher end, but it's very flavorful. It's um, I don't know if they tell us on the label what hops, but it's a uh, it's, it's just a great body, um, a, a great mm. uh, uh, the appropriate uh, hoppiness. You know, it's not it's not an IPA by any stretch of the imagination. Shadow of a Doubt Imperial Porter from. Uh uh, Russian River Brewing, uh, Vinny and Natalie, uh, Shadow of a Doubt, if you've never seen that film. It was uh, a Hitchcock film that uh, was literally filmed completely in Santa Rosa. And I haven't seen it, have you? I have. Yeah, I'd like to. But I should look it up on Netflix or someplace. Yeah. Oh, because it's there. You can yeah, because I've never, I've never seen it. And I've seen most of his old films. It's not one of my favorite Hitchcock films. But you know, I'm going. Oh my God, that that was downtown Santa Rosa. See, I got to see it. 30s. I think it's the only one I've missed of his. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Mark Carpenter is here. Her Linda's at a wedding, and uh, we were hoping to have uh, somebody from Fort Point Brewing in San Francisco, but uh, they're either stuck in traffic, and they'll be here uh, Saturday. <laughs> Mike's looking out, just in case. Anchor Brewing, San Francisco, so iconic. You yep. started there in 71. Correct. Fitz Maytag, who was yep. part of the Maytag family. That's correct. With the... Uh, correct. The you got things it. And the Washer stuff. and dryer and yes, all that. Exactly. Yes, Yes. Um, so you started there in 71. Tell the story again, because it's well, been so it, long since we've been able it, to... Yeah, it, to it, it, it's, um, it's just been a fabulous career for me, and I was so lucky... Uh, you know, for those, uh, the few of you out there who are old enough to remember the 60s, it was just an amazing time in San Francisco. I, 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 I said on one show that the draft was going on for Vietnam and everybody was trying to avoid that. Uh, but also the sexual revolution was going on and everybody was volunteering for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then on top of that, you had this incredible music scene in San Francisco. Uh, the number of bands, I mean, you know, I mean, the, of everybody. Uh, and uh, you could go down to the Avalon Ballroom or, or the Fillmore and uh, it was almost nothing to get in and just see fabulous bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, name any band of the era, and we probably were there because they went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, and Bill Graham, uh, once he really became a major part of the scene, I mean, it was what they were doing at the Avalon, Winterland, yes. uh, Fillmore. I mean, it would be like uh, a major jazz player. yes. Opening for Paul Butterfield and the Butterfield Blues Band, and then Cream. Yes, you know exactly, I mean, the, exactly. It was it was just too much. Yeah, it was just uh, every band like that. Uh, my daughter took me recently to the Fillmore uh, to see Leon Bridges, who uh, I hadn't seen, but I, I just think the guy's great. Anyway. We're in there. It's it really the same place. They have a bar set up now but where they wasn't. My daughter said to me, is this all the same? I said, you know, there's only one difference. And she said, what's that? I said, well, you can smell marijuana in here. Yeah. Back in the 60s, you couldn't. Because back in the 60s, if you had marijuana in there, they kicked you out. 
Yeah. Bill Graham was worried, you know, was strictly against the law. Well, it was illegal. And, and they, so it was so kind of funny. they had to go outside. They had to go outside, and smoke the marijuana. And come back in. Yeah. And, yeah, and come back in, exactly. So that was the only difference. But that was the background. And I had a job. It was a perfectly good job, but it wasn't that interesting. And like so many people uh, at that time, we were looking to do something different in life. You know, it's set a new course. Uh, here in Sonoma County, all the uh, um, communes were setting up and whatnot. Anyway, yeah, I was yeah. looking for something different. And uh, I ran into Anchor Brewing. And I thought, I took a tour of the place and I thought, man, now this would be fun. It was the smallest brewery in, the, in America at the time. Uh, At that point, did you think about beer or being a brewer? Well, I didn't think about being a brewer. I love beer. And uh, and when I grew up, if I went to a city that had a a brewery you could visit, I'd visit it. Went to Coors in Colorado, Pabst in Wisconsin. Uh, anywhere I could go on a brewery tour. Did you go I to did. Stroh's in Detroit? I did. I've never been to Detroit. Oh. It's too bad because it's gone now. Uh, yeah. Stroh's is history. Yeah. And uh, I've seen pictures of beautiful old building. Oh, and amazing. it was fire brewed. Yes. Which was very unusual to, compared to all the other breweries. Uh, quickly explain fire brewed. Because fire brewing. I grew up with this stuff. Yes. Well, fire brewing is an important process. You, there's the process where you, you first you make your sweet liquid. Uh, the grape growers have it, have it made. All they have to do is squeeze a grape, and they have a sweet liquid they can ferment. Brewers have to make their sweet liquid. So they grind the grain. They make the sweet liquid. It's called wort. You put it in a kettle, and you boil it. Well, almost every brewery in America does it with steam. They have a steam jacket on the kettle. You heat the kettle, and you boil it. But uh, Stroh's used a direct fire on the copper kettle. Right. A big, just like if you put a copper pot on your stove and, and the gas flame is heating it. And it makes a big difference because uh, steam, uh, you're, supp- you're supplying so much less heat than a, uh, than a gas flame. That, that copper right where the flame is gets very hot. So it adds color to the beer. It adds some caramel flavor. It, uh, so it really had a part of the process. So it was very important. And it was the only one, fire-brewed beer. Stroh's. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they made a Bach. I lived in they, Chicago they in the summer Bach. in 65. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Stroh's Bach, I found it in Chicago. Because you didn't have it out here. I think that's when I first fell into Stroh's. Well, I grew up in Detroit, so we had it there. Yes. Uh, my dad and his buddies would be you know, of course, yeah. drinking the long neck Stroh's. And then the Bach beer. Hey, the Bach's in. Yeah, Come on, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And that's B-O-C-K. Yes, correct. Yeah. And what is Bach beer? Well, in those days, you probably you tell me if you remember this. When I was a kid, you'd ask your dad or somebody, an older brother or something, what was Bach beer? Oh, they made that once a year when they cleaned out the cellar tanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Well, Did you ever I, was, hear that? I was too young to yeah. know. I, I couldn't anyway, drink. But, but it, that wasn't true. It was just – it was, I think, their regular beer, quite honestly, that these breweries uh, added caramel coloring to. Because uh, there were other Bachs okay. at the time, you know, Hams and Bergie. I think uh, a few of them did Bach beers. And I th- think they were kind of phony Bach beers. Some of them might have used a, a dark grain. But, yeah, that was the only difference. You can still get Stroh's beer. It's owned by... Uh, yeah, probably whoever owns Paps or yes, Heilman, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. These guys who bought up all the labels. But yeah. it's not as good as it was back in the day when my dad and all his buddies, as I was growing up, up in Detroit, drank, drinking multiple yes. long necks of Stroh's. And it wouldn't be fire brewed. 
The label may still be out there, but I'll, I'd be willing to bet not now. It's, it's not fire brewed now. Yeah, no, exactly. No. But it was back then. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, talk. Uh, Mark Carpenter is with us on the Drive Hot Monk Brew. Ha ha. Again, so we got as far as the Fillmore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's and, get and, over that. Yeah. And, and so then now how I you found... wound up in '71. Yeah. At uh, Anchor. So I went into Anchor and I took a tour. And uh, there were three guys working there and in the brewery, and there was the secretary and Fritz Maytag. And I thought, now this would be a great place to work. I thought this would be really something to, to do. You but know? you had no conception of being a no, brewer. No, a beer lover, though. I was right. there on the tour for free beer. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so I went back and asked for a job. And I was really lucky. One of the guys was leaving. I got a job. There were uh, so I was one of three guys in the brewery, and uh, it was it was as I said, it was the smallest brewery in America at the time. And Fritz was, had he bought it in '65, and it really started to build quality into the beer, and was working like crazy to build its reputation and and uh, get it going. And when I came along, he was a long ways on that path, and. Uh, uh, but we still hadn't had any volume sales, and so we only needed to brew about once a month. Really? Yes. And so we would brew, and then – so there were three of us, So if we, and it was just like a brewing university because if we brewed, we all brewed. If we bottled, we all bottled. Every phase, we all did. So, it was so just you learned everything. Everything. It was just a fabulous environment. And um, – uh, and then slowly it started to sell. No, no, Fritz Maytag. Yeah. Comes from the Maytag family, washers, dryers, all that stuff. Correct. What made him? Uh, did he take money from the family uh, to help him start Anchor? Or, well, uh, how did that happen? Well, I, Fritz was out here going to school at Stanford, and he's an incredible person, by the way. He's really a Renaissance, true Renaissance man, and he was studying Japanese at Stanford, believe it or not. So, <laughs> a good example of it. And he was in San Francisco a lot in that same environment I was talking about. He was part of that. In fact, I think Fritz helped finance Chuck Helms at the uh, Avalon. Chet Helms. Chet Helms, or not Chuck, Chet Helms. Yeah, Chet. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he helped finance that and get get acts in. Wow! So he was in part of that whole scene also. So he was a San Francisco hippie in many ways. In many ways, yeah. yeah. He was, but uh, and he was this young guy at the time having fun, just like the rest of us. And uh, but an incredible man. And then he'd hang out. He'd hung out in North Beach a lot. And one of the places he liked to go to was the old spaghetti factory. Yeah. Great place to eat. Very simple. Yep. But the only beer that the old spaghetti factory ever had on draft was anchor steam. And that was because the owner, Fred Koo, uh, just thought anchor was just this fabulous little brewery. That was a real part of California history and was always on the edge of going out of business, but he supported it like crazy. Wow. And, and so it was going to go out of business. And he told Fritz, you ought to go see this brewery because it's going to go out of business and it's going to be gone. And uh, not that he should buy it or anything, but he just goes to go, just go see, see it. it. So he did go see it. And um, it just like so many of us, you go in a brewery, they're just magical places. And But this was 60s. 65. Yeah. 60, 1965. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he went in there and he thought, this is just a magical place. 
and he wound up buying it. Now, uh, I shouldn't quote any price, but I think it, uh, let's just say he paid uh, to give you an idea. I think he paid like five grand for it. I mean, really, he always said he paid he paid less than you'd pay for a good car, you know. But so maybe a lot less than five grand. But uh, what he wasn't buying much because this was the brewery was really an uh, an 18th century brewery alive and well in San Francisco. There was no refrigeration. There, were, there was one pump in the brewery that pumped the hot wort after the kettle up to the cool ship, which is up in the top of the building. Well, what, what was it called? Anchor Brewing. Oh, it was Anchor Brewing. It was Anchor Brewing Company, maker of Anchor's. buying it. He know, bought okay. it, yeah. And, uh, but it was a very crude little brewery. And uh, uh, so he wasn't buying much. So he started investing money into it right from the beginning. And it was only draft Now, was this beer. from uh, Maytag money? Well, I think, quite honestly, at that point, it was probably his own money. I mean, I'm okay. sure he had, you know, some sort of uh, money from his family. And also, I think he had done a couple little things to make money, you know. And, okay. And so uh, uh, he, he started to move ahead with the, with the brewery, you know. Wow. And, uh, um, and just built it up. And we made Anchor Steam Beer. At one point, we were... Uh, Esteem in 1973 or four. It really was our first profitable year, say, and uh, things were really going along. And, and Fritz wanted to make uh, other beers, and uh, because we had Anchor Steam and we had Anchor Steam Dark, and Anchor Steam Dark was our steam beer with caramel coloring, and that was not <laughs> that's it. That's it. They just threw car- caramel coloring. That's and what we did. It, uh, oh, Anchor Steam Dark. But that would see that was something he inherited. That's not something he would do. Right. And so he won he developed this porter, Anchor Porter, to replace the dark. The dark was kind of funny. The main buyer of the dark was a bar in Sausalito called the No Name Bar. They're, I've been there many times. Yeah. Well, they were the main. They're still there. Yeah, they were the main buyer of Anchor Dark. No kidding. And I remember one occasion they called and and said that the last batch of dark didn't seem that dark. Well, the way we made it dark, we used the old-fashioned type keg <laughs> where you filled it through a bunghole in the side of the keg. <laughs> I love saying bunghole. Yeah. Show, by the way. So it was just, it was fake. What, it, what we did, I had a big copper pitcher filled with caramel coloring, and I would just pour the, the uh, caramel coloring into the, into the bunghole. And, and I thought, oh, you guys want it darker? No problem. I just pour more caramel coloring in there. And, wow. And, but so we developed our porter. And uh, to replace that, to be a real dark beer made with dark grains and, and a real porter. And at the time, I said to Fritz, I said, why do you want to do this porter? The Anchor Steam, you know, and I was brand new there just a couple of years, you know, and kind of a young kid speaking out of turn, you know, I said to him, why do we want to do the porter? The steam's starting to take off, you know, life is good. And he said, look, I don't want to be known just for Anchor Steam. I want to be known for Anchor Steam and porter, and this ale, and that ale, and down the road. He says, because down the road, there's going to be a couple hundred breweries, little breweries around the country. And it was so funny. Wow. Because there was not one hint in my mind or in my horizon of that going to happen, you know. 
And you guys got into distilling? Yes, in 93 we started distilling. Uh, that's separate from the brewery now because when Sapporo bought the brewery, they did not buy the distillery. Right. And uh, they make some great uh, whiskeys and some great gins. I was just out at Nick Cove's, Nick's Cove where they have two of the gins uh, available there. The One Unipro, of our proud sponsors yeah, on the drive. The yeah. Unipro gin and the uh, Old Tom gin. I just saw him there the other night. Yeah, 